0: This is The Playbook. Hopefully someone has a question to get us started. Anyone? Yes, sir. Uh, I will start. So, I'm not going into anything, anything specific right now, but I'm curious, if you have a disagreement with a business partner, there's two of you, do you have any frameworks to like, come to a decision, um, you know, it's a 50-50 thing? Yeah, so it's actually how I also sell. Um, A lot of times, especially in intimate relationships, and I consider business partnerships an intimate relationship, my dad used to always joke and say, come on in, there's three um, rules of partnership. One, don't have a partner. Two, only have a partner with more money than you. And then three, if you don't listen to one or two, go back to number one. Um, And that's how difficult relationships are. But when I have a disagreement with my partner, one, I check to see if it's a value-based Disagreement, because now I wanna pay a special attention to are my values still aligned with my business partner? Because if we can't get our values aligned, we're destined for separation. Values are the most critical thing in any relationship. And so I start by making sure that, hey, I just wanna remind you, you're my best friend. We both have a lot invested in this. I would like to approach this disagreement Ingratitude. so both of us, let's just agree, we're gonna look for the light, the love, and the lessons in this disagreement. Two, forgiveness, right, that we both don't know what we don't know, so we're doing our best, learning lessons and having fun together. Three, accountability, so if mistakes were made or miscommunications, then we're accountable, responsible for the mistake, attracted the mistake, and participating in the perception of mistake, and then, for under the context of effective communication, that our goal is actually to align and communicate with one one another. So I'll backtrack it all the way to that. And I'll even do it sometimes it drives my wife crazy, especially if she's really pissed, that I'll backtrack to the values of our relationship so that she knows that's what I'm looking for in whatever the disagreement is. Then I wanna meet them where they're at. So let's start. Tell me, right, what the issue is. You tell me. Not me tell you. You tell me where you're at with this. Okay, what do you like about that? In a variety of ways. What don't you like about it? At the core of what I've learned in selling, relationships, uh, how human beings provide value to each other, I've simplified it to two ways, which makes my um, positioning in life easy. I'm here to give people more of what they like and take away more of what they don't like, right? Because that's really how you provide value. And so if we don't know what you like or what you don't like, it's extremely difficult to provide value. So I start there. Okay, where are you at today? What do you like about where we're at today? What don't you like about it? And then we're providing value in that direction. And then if we're still in that disagreement, I can then share my side of it. Most of the time how I'm sharing is, hey, would it help you if? So I'm listening and my goal is, would it help you if I gave you more of this, of what you like, or would it help you this because I'm taking away what you don't like? And so all these disagreements dissipate, dissolve and disappear, unless there's a value problem and then I have a bigger problem on my hands. And I have a template Uh, for that, that I can give all you guys uh, that will allow you to kind of remind yourself, okay, meet people where they're at. It's an open-ended, minded, hearted, handed question guide to keep things in that assimilated uh, process. In in essence, what I'm doing is having people looking for what they want, not what they don't want in a relationship. Great question. You guys are welcome to join us too. We're just doing a Q and A session. If you want, come on in. Grab a seat. Uh, next question. Anyone? Only one question. I go home. Oh, go ahead, Courtney. Um, OK, thank you, Dave. Uh, please, I uh, got this question. How to hold people accountable when um, somebody gives you what they don't want and you're trying to reduce friction on what people want. Can you help me? Give me an example that also then therefore holds them accountable to what they owe to the organization or the partnership or whatever it is. Yeah. So it's interesting, right? Can we actually have the power or the meaning of holding somebody else accountable? Because when we try to, a lot of times what we do is evoke what insecurities, separation, projection. So if we understand what accountability is, it's a lot easier to raise their awareness instead of hold them accountable, right? So what we wanna do is say, hey, you know, what happened? That's where I start. What happened? And what was your role in that? Right, I'm not holding you accountable, I'm just raising your awareness to the accountability of either responsibility. So I would say, oh, and does that fall within the guise of you know, what you were supposed to do? Or even the laws of attraction. So you know, do you think that if you maybe approached it in this way, you will not have attracted that attack or judgment or condition, or even, let's talk about the way you're participating in this perception of it. Could it be possible to give it a different meaning than the one that you're giving it. So everybody gives meaning to defining moments, mistakes, failures, setbacks, successes, historical relevances. They give their own meaning to it. And so if we can derive the meaning they're giving them and then tell them that, hey, you give meaning to everything you see. So I'll usually use my bankruptcy as an example. Many people will not take accountability for losing money and i will tell you my wife because she was so protective and loving of me she would go to blame shame and justification well he ripped off him and he and i had to fight her on it i said you know i gotta tell you i'm responsible and i fought myself to think about the lies i was telling myself what i could have done to avoid all the mistakes that i made but it was more than that I was attracting these things into my life. I was surrounding myself with the wrong people and the wrong ideas, which energy aggregates, compounds exponentially and accelerates. And then more bad people were around me, more people that were liars, cheaters, manipulators, oversellers, back-end sellers into my life. Why was I attracting all those type of people? Oh yeah, that's right. Cause I was a liar, a cheater, manipulator, overseller, back-end seller, guised and hidden under all the good deeds that I was doing and money that I was given. But in the end, I was honest with myself that I had to make some substantial changes. And I was participating in a different perception and I help other people now participate. But it's so interesting when we don't tell people like or hold them to or, you know, one of the biggest difficulties I have as I get older is I really want to change the meaning that people give to my past. And especially like your siblings, your mom, high school friends, because the snapshots they have of you are you of being 17 years old, right? And so you don't give any benefits of any doubt, right? The meaning of my actions at 55 to some of my siblings is based off of what I would have done at 17 or 16 or nine. And it it caused great interference in my life because I was trying to change the meaning of other people of my past. And then I decided that I'm the only one that can change the meaning of my past. So if I looked at my bankruptcy, it became something that was gonna protect and promote me. It became an investment of $100 million into my future, not a loss of $100 million. Nobody could afford to have those type of lessons that I've had. Most people can't afford to pay for those lessons, right? Most colleges are maybe a quarter of a million dollars. I went to one that cost 100 million. And that's serious lessons. And so the, the idea of you know, how we give meaning to things, how we communicate, but it all falls back onto four values. Gratitude. And, and I am just steadfast. And it's thankful to my wife who told me when I was a wreck two years before I lost everything, she said, you gotta take stock in who you were and what you wanna become. And I was like, shit, I don't (laughs) wanna, right? I still think, man, it was so hard to sit there and think about how did I screw up my values? Values that I learned when I was three. Say thank you, right? Be forgiving. My mom, when I was three, used to even tell all my siblings, you're living below the line, baby. I'm like, what? Blame, shame, and justification. We live above the line in this house. You take accountability for everything that happens in your life. That gives you control. Don't let other people control you. You want control in your life? Then you take responsibility for everything in it. The minute you give someone else control, you'll have an amazing amount of problems in your life. The minute you stand up and say, what did I do and what am I supposed to learn? The whole world changes, you have complete control. The the fear dissipates, it dissolves because no matter what happens outside of you, the uncertainty that is the only certainty of this world, of life circumstances, the common denominator of all life circumstances is uncertainty. You can't predict life circumstances. During COVID it killed me when so many people were like, what are you doing with all the uncertainty? I was like, "Uh, the same thing I did yesterday before COVID with all the uncertainty. Because I promise you one thing, if anybody can tell me what's gonna happen tomorrow, I know how to make billions of dollars. You can keep yours, I'll give mine to charity. Just that's a gift. There's no certainty. You know what the only certainty is? I'm accountable and I'm gonna learn from it. Awesome, anyone else, next questions? Yes, sir. How are you able to keep someone, either keep someone accountable, or if someone like, doesn't wrong you, how are you able to let them know that, yeah, you did me wrong, but not like, too much of an Yeah. So how do we, once again, hold people accountable that have done something wrong to us? They may have attacked us, lied to us, cheated us, manipulated, stolen, been mean to us, talked behind our back, hurt our feelings. So almost under the same context. The only difference is that um, for me, I'm very pragmatic about my relationships. So when we ask the questions about, you know, what happened, you know, can we look at this in a forgiving way? I then look two things to create a criteria of a feeding or bleeding spectrum. See, I'm trying to surround myself with people that feed me so I can feed others and them more because one of the biggest misnomers in life is, hey, the more you give, the more you receive, it's true. But you know what everyone misses out on is you can't give more with less. So we, in our mind, think, oh, this is a bad thing that I'm receiving. Well, no, no, you, you know, this old saying, which is true, the more you give, the more you receive. Somebody forgot to tell people, you gotta have something to give. Right, so like first responders, teachers, healthcare workers, military people, um, doctors, healers, right? They're all like stuck in this quandary. The most powerful people in the world, especially healers, right? They have been given the greatest gift. They don't replenish, and then they can't give more of their great gift. Or moms, or teachers, or you know, that was my mom's biggest problem, right? And we're putting ourselves at a disadvantage because no one's out there saying, hey, you gotta receive more. If your pure intention is to give to other people, then you gotta be a receiver. There should be no doubt that you're living in a value-add world because if you truly believe in abundance and you're selfless, then the greatest thing you can do, if you are truly a selfless person living in faith, is to have more. Like I, I, I don't want, people who are scarce to have more because they're just going to keep it for themselves. I want the healers and the first responders and the teachers and the philanthropists, I want them to learn how to ask because I know what they're going to do with what they receive. They're going to appreciate it. They're going to expand themselves. They're going to acknowledge it, acquire the knowledge of it, which causes expansion as well and relieves the vessel. And then they're going to ask for more to fill a bigger cup that they now can pour into more glasses and so on and so on and so on. But most people appreciate what they have, acknowledge it, not just by giving it away, but by having it lost, stolen, cheated, manipulated from them. And then, with this big vessel, they feel guilty. Oh, you know, the more I give, the more I receive. Yeah, but they forget, I gotta fill it back up again. Or I, I, I wanna give, I don't got anything now, So I'm broke and I'm working 24 hours a day and I have the, my mom lived her. she's 80 years old. She gave everything to her children. She gave away all her money, her time, her health, her, her worthiness to her marriage. And then he left and her kids and she forgot what? So slowly but surely, this beautiful, humongous vessel of a life dissipated, dissolved. And now she's 80 years old and she's in a spot she doesn't want to be in because now she needs help. And it's not that me and my siblings won't help her, we get great joy out of it, but it kills her because in her mind, I'm now have to ask to receive. Where if she just would have asked since she was 23 years old for, so she could give it away and have it lost stolen and give more and get, she wouldn't be in this place at 80. She would be giving all her grandkids anything they wanted easily. This is a really important thing. So when somebody does you wrong, when someone does you wrong, there's two criteria. One's called relativity and the other called feeding. So my first analysis is how relative is this person in my life that's attacking me or bleeding me? Now I mentioned my mom and uh, I know Jake laughs every time because the camera's on me. My mom bleeds me a lot. Like I told you, she lived her whole life giving to me. So she has to bleed me and, and not just economically, which is fine, but like bleeds me emotionally. <laughs> but my mom's the most relative person in my life. So I first distinguish she's so relative that the chain of feeding and bleeding, she can bleed me all she She can take every penny I have. I'll lie in front of a bus for her. She can bleed my whole life. That's how relative she is now my high school friends, my drug addict friends, my alcoholic friends, my strip club friends, my cheesy business friends that lie, manipulate and cheat throughout my career, they have no relativity to me anymore. So if they attack me, they try to bleed me, I fire them. I don't even let them fall away. Even as easy it is today to let people fall away. And I think people, need to analyze the relativity of a relationship first to determine at what scale am I going to feed someone, fall away someone, or fire someone. Because so many times we let some asshole on the internet that has no relativity to me except for they're hurt. And so hurt people hurt people somehow interfere with my potential. Are you kidding me? Right There's an easy way, I block them or give them my cell phone number. I prefer to give them my real cell phone number to fire them from my life, because <laughs> they won't call, and they'll stop bugging me. And if ever one of those people, those hurt people that are trying to hurt me because I stole gratitude from Gary Vee, or I'm fat, or whatever else, I'm the wrong color, size, shape, or speak the wrong language, right? here's my cell phone, call me. I want to learn why You feel that way and see if I can unhurt your hurt. They never call. And I give my real cell phone. Makes me feel better than blocking them. Right? I I think that hurts them more. It's like, I'm listening. Here's my number. Remember, when people attack us, it's a judgment. Judgments are simply an opinion based off of two things you don't want to base an opinion off of. Judgments are an opinion based off of ignorance and doubt or fear. You want to base all your decisions off of ignorance and doubt and fear? Good luck. I know where you're going to end up. So why would you base your actions off of the opinion of someone else who's basing their opinion off of judgment, I mean off of ignorance and doubt? And you let them steal your joy? You let them steal your joy not a chance in my life. I, so, I initiate how relative you are to me and then determine how much I'll let you feed me, fall away, or bleed me. Fire them. I have a saying. What you think about me is none of my business. None of my business. Think, what, what you think, I'm interested in. I can learn from that. But what you think about me, none of my business at all. Great questions. Anyone else? Yes. Kind of going off of um, just receiving, as someone like, who's starting out in the business and kind of navigating you know, what my craft is, um, how, in terms of providing service for the people that I look up to and within an industry and, can do and continue to build that relationship when you, know, you don't necessarily have a service that you can exchange or provide? That's a great question. So we all have services and values that we can provide. Thank you dear, Um, she's wonderful. So we all have a service or value. The thing is, we're not being more interested than interesting. Why is it that more nannies and uh, fitness professionals, trainers, end up getting businesses with billionaires, right? Oh yeah, well, you know, I was the trainer of so-and-so and now I have, you know, this business. Oh, I was the nanny and now I'm running. Because it's quite simple they have figured out what that person needs, right? They, so you have skills, knowledge, and desire. That's your essence. That's your frequency. That's your vibration. And so if there's someone who sits in a situation that you want to be in and you want to ask them for directions and relationships to accelerate the progress towards where you think you want to be, then ask them, hey, what are you doing today? What do you like about what you're doing? What don't you like about it? I'll tell you what I don't like. I wish I had more time. Well, why don't you have time? <sighs> my nanny just left. I don't have a babysitter for a big gala. I do, do you, oh, would it help you if you know my cousin, she would love to babysit? Really? Hey, do you know anyone can help me? I'm looking for an internship. Do you know how many times that is how? You have plenty. I wash your car. Can I drive you to the airport? Do you, I will tell you that four of my executives started as interns and they just said, hey, what can I do for you? And I said, look, you know, I would rather pay you than an Uber to the airport and I'll give you a free coaching session. I'll be there. You don't have to pay me. No, I'll pay what I pay, Uber. But they get 30 minutes to two hours, depending on traffic (laughs) of either shadowing me, listening to my calls, or getting a mentoring session from me. But what they're really getting is I know who they are, where you know, all the interns that I have have a mentor that's working with me, and they're learning from them, and I just I can't learn about every single person that's in my mentorship or internship program. But if you drive me to the airport, you know those are the people that you can always provide something, but you have to be able to ask them. What are they doing to be where they are today? What do they like? What don't they like? Would it help you if? And then ask, do you know anyone that can help me? Because even if that person can't help you, there's one thing I know as I've elevated my frequency in my neighborhood, because my frequency is my neighborhood, that my neighbors have a lot of power now. Compared to when I was in my 20s or 16 or even in my 30s. Right? Do you know anyone that can help me? You know what? I can't help you, but Rick Jordan can, right? Multi-millionaire, great entrepreneur, has a top pot. Like, let me just call Rick for you. And then because Rick and I feed each other, I said, oh, you know, I got this wonderful person. I know you're looking for someone like Jake, right? everyone's, everyone's like, I'd love to have Jake's job. Which, by the way, if he continues on, and no I'm kidding. <laughs> I love Jake. But, right, so many people tell me, I, where do I find a Jake? And then all of a sudden, someone's like, can, I want to be your Jake. Do you know anyone that could help me? I'm like, hey, I got a Jake. One Jake is enough. Right? Don't change two problems for one. But Rick's looking for a Jake. Because I hang out with people that are like me that need a Jake. And all of a sudden, your life changes. How'd you get this job? Oh, I wanted to work with David Meltzer, but he didn't have anything, so he introduced me to Rick Jordan, Tom Bilyeu, Ed Milet, whoever else we're working with, Joe Dispenza, Guru, whoever it is. Those weren't my, those guys weren't in my neighborhood 10 years ago. I was watching them on movies and TV. Jack Canfield, Bob Proctor, John Assaroff, Tony Robbins. Right, I share stages, I'm in their neighborhood now. And I'm like the Jeffersons when it comes to thought leadership. Uh, I'm Sherman Hemsley. Now I know who's old. The kids are like, who's that? <laughs> uh, good. All right, next question. Yes, sir. Um, so I discovered you last week on an episode. We're old friends, man. In, in my and hit my leg. And alignment's crazy because you're here in Chicago. So I'm like, this is my one. Um, during that interview, you spoke about. Um, Wayne Dyer. Yes. And, and you just spoke about you know, being fed. How did his teachings you know, transform your, your life? Well, first of all, I listen to Wayne Dyer every day. Um, and at one point in my life, uh, Carlos Castaneda's son came into my office and he said, I love this book. And he said, you need to meet Wayne Dyer. So I've met Wayne Dyer, but I don't know Wayne Dyer. And I said, I listen to Wayne Dyer every day. I've listened to Power of Intention, I've listened to Change the Way That You Look At Things, I've listened to I Am every single day, including today. Wayne Dyer uh, literally changed my perspective. And he led me to Thomas Troward and David Hawkins, and he led me to writing a book with Jack Canfield. Because Wayne Dyer was in The Secret and then I met you know, all of those guys, Bob Proctor, and, and he led me and made me believe that I could elevate this frequency that I had. And so he still changes my life. Here's the irony, he wanted to meet me. He t- got my book and invited me to Hawaii to meet him. And I was leaving to meet him on the weekend and he died on the Saturday I was supposed to, to meet him. Now, I think it's because I thought so highly of Wayne Dyer that I would have taken everything he said as the truth. Instead of being able to interpret Wayne Dyer and make it my own. But I would tell you, Wayne Dyer, Course of Miracles, Napoleon Hill, had incredible. I, what I do, people are like, What it, you know, what is it that you're mean? I went to Chris, everybody know who Chris Gardner is? Pursuit of Happiness. So I was at Chris's penthouse this morning. And uh, you know, he's like, so tell me, Dave. You know, what is it that you're doing? What can I help you with? And it's an interesting question because I'm just on a mission, I'm Napoleon Hill. I'm on a mission to empower people, but I'm way more powerful than Napoleon Hill because I don't need Carnegie's money. And it's not gonna take me a lifetime to talk to 100 people who sit in a situation that I wanna be in. That's usually a weekly activity for me. At least 100 people. That I'm asking, I, I had, you know, 12 interviews today, you know, and I was, you know, wow, this person, the last one I just did on IG, I don't know if anyone was live with me, but the luxury travel guy, the points class. I'm thinking, this is so cool. Like, I have like millions of points that I don't know how to use, and this person has a free flying academy of how to use all my mileage, credit card and and air miles. That's what Napoleon Hill did. It's like, oh dude, you're Ford. You know, tell me about how you created a workflow. I get to do that every day and help people with it because I know how to capture it, modify it, amplify it and perpetuate it again and again so that people can find me a week ago on Ed MyLet and a year from now when I'm back in Chicago or probably a month, you'll go down the day, melt rabbit hole of all the lessons that I'm trying to empower you with and you make it your own. All right. Yes, ma'am. Right, so I found you a few years ago. On Whew, and look how good I look. Oh <laughs> the exact you look good. Thank you. So I had a, I, just so you know, I had a turkey. See, You know how the internet works? I was like doing research on hair transplants. Then all of a sudden, it must have pulled up my videos to hair transplant places. Because today, turkey reached out. And they're like, hey, we'd like to give you 100 grand to fly to Turkey and give you new hair. And like we do videos and do that. So I am considering it. So I might even look better next time you see me, sorry. So one thing that grabbed me towards you, I David was the word grit. You know, I was going through business, the whole up and down roller coasters. And you know, back then in 2018 with the Jets and the Rolex all on IG, it's like, this dude is the real deal. So I want to know, how do you overcome obstacles in business to this day? Yeah, minutes and moments. So I'm a very consistent person and I'm, directed towards understanding with faith that there's something bigger than me that loves me more than my mom. It's omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing. There's something bigger than me. And I can't prove it to any of you by religion, spirituality, philosophy. I haven't found any theories that prove that. But I know that 99% of all religions believe in something bigger than you that loves you more than your mom. Now, they kill each other over it and they separate each other over it. But I put it out there all day long. Find me something better to believe in Why is that so important? Because instead of the first half of my life, or more actually, trying to go get more, living in a a zero-sum game, I'm going to get more happy, I'm going to get more healthy, I'm going to get more wealthy, I'm going to be more worthy. I have faith based off of nothing except for that's the best thing I can believe in. That's what my faith is based off of. That's the best thing I can believe in, in order to accomplish what you're saying, which is I am. I am happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy because I am co-creator with the omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing source that loves me more than my mom. And I'm just too stupid to understand the shit that's going on, what you call the challenges, setbacks, failures, void, shortages, obstacles, mistakes, successes, defining moments and re- relative historical events that seem to challenge me. And we make this shit up. So by shifting the paradigm of saying I'm part of something that's value-added, not zero-summed, an infinite, abundant, all-knowing, unified system of thought, when shit happens to me, which it does every single day, I got three daughters in their 20s for goodness sake, you know shit happens to me. (laughs) I just say to myself, I am. What am I doing now to interfere with it? And I practice, I practice just spending minutes and moments when I get kicked in the face. Just minutes and moments saying, okay, Breathe. I I have no need to be right. I have no need to be offended, guilty, worried, anxious, frustrated, separate, inferior, superior, resentful. I have no no reason at all. I I know what I want today. I know who I can help, who can help me, and how to get it done. And I'm gonna reprioritize my day outside of this negative interference because I love living as part and parcel to the omniscient, all-powerful, unified, infinite system of thought that brings me more than enough. Not just enough, where I'm buying things I don't need to impress people I don't like. Not not enough, where I'm a victim. I lost everything. Why is God punishing me? No punishment. I was protected and promoted. This philosophy that I believe in said, hey, dumbo, you're gonna end up dead. You think that you know what you know. You don't know what you don't know. Just like when you're a little kid and you reach out to touch a fire and your mom may have been like mine, never yelled. She's a consummate kindergarten teacher, right? Everybody, sweetie, everything, and never hit anyone. And I reached out to touch a fire when I was a little boy and she slapped my hand like it's never been slapped before and screamed at me, no. I started to cry immediately, mom, what did I do? Why are you punishing me? What did I do? Oh, no, no, she hugged me. Oh, no, no, I'm protecting you. You, you didn't know that that fire is gonna burn you. It could kill you. Just the same way when you don't get the deal, you don't get in the school you want, you lose $100 million, right? I was reaching into a fire and I believe that I'm protected and promoted by something that loves me more than my mom, except for it knows everything. I just don't know what those fires are. It looks good to me buying a Ferrari. It looks good to me going to this school, going into debt. It looks good to me eating this food, smoking this smoke, snorting this snort. It looks good to me. But there's that protection and promoted. Pain is an indicator, setback. Failures, mistakes, indicators, I got a better place to be. I'm protected. That's all it tells me. And so practice it. Stop spending days, weeks, months, and years. Spend minutes and moments in interference and enjoy what you've been given. I have the outcomes to at least solidify some evidence that what I believe based off of arbitrary and capricious faith works. Just outcomes. But I can't prove it. But nobody's ever come up with me and I. Please tell me if you could think of something better to believe in than something that's omniscient, all powerful, all knowing that loves you more than your mom, I'm in. I challenge you. Tell me something better to believe in. I I don't even need you to prove it. I don't want any scientific evidence. I just want you to say, Dave, I think you'd be better if you believed in this in your life besides this whole omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing source that loves you more than your mom so that when pain, setbacks, failures, mistakes, successes, defining moments, historical relevances get in your way, that you realize I got a better place to be. Please help me, because I'll teach that. All right, next question. Yes, sir? My name's Michael, I'm Serafina's brother. Are you? Yes. Um, Can I just stop everyone? Serafina works with me, I spoke They honored me at San Diego State as the Entrepreneur of the Year, and I spoke uh, there, and this beautiful girl, 19 years old, comes up to me with a camera. She's like, you mind if I film you? I'm like, no, that's fine. She goes, I I listen to Bob Proctor every day, Mr. Meltzer. And I go, how old are you? She said, 19. I go, you're hired. (laughs) She goes, I didn't even ask. I wanted to work. I go, trust me, any 19-year-old that's listening to Bob Proctor every day, I can deal with. This is better than a Jake. Jake, you know who Bob Proctor is? I know Bob Proctor. Okay, good. All right, go ahead. Anyways, I brought like three entrepreneurial minded friends with me. Thank you. We all have our own businesses. We're just starting off. all in our early 20s. I just wanted to ask you,
1: with all the networking, all the
0: people you've met, what's like the common trait or theme in someone young that wants to create value to the world? Yeah. I'm blessed, if anyone's listened to the podcast, I've had 1,500 of thousands of interviews. There is one common denominator of billionaires, millionaires, entrepreneurs, celebrities, athletes, entertainers, happy people. And it's one simple thing. You must have the desire to be what you must be. Not what other people want you to be, not what's missing, not what you don't have. Those people that have a desire, that they must be what they can be, I promise you, will live in abundance. They'll figure it out. They may not figure it out today or tomorrow, but eventually, people, whether some dude in their 20s, some 30s, some 80s, like Orville Redenbacher, right, that decides in his 70s gonna start a popcorn company, but he always had the desire that he must be what he can be. He is never, and you should never, limit your own self-image. Those people who have a desire to be what they must be can never limit their own self-image. You will never overachieve your own self-image. One of the scariest things that I see today is that for the first time, because I speak to a lot of kids, for the first time, technology overachieves their imagination. That is not good. When technology exceeds your imagination, that's not good, and I've experienced it. I went to Singer Automotive not happy I had to go because I landed from like Dubai and they gave me an hour right after I landed to go into, you know, tour this facility of the first 3D printed car. And I saw, when, when people say 3D printer, I literally thought like, how do they print a car? And I'm thinking it's a printer like that. Just so you know, it's 50 yards by 50 yards with these big humongous orange arms that basically assemble and spew material, I don't know, into molds and 12... You could have a Ferrari in 12 days fully tested. Better engineered than a Ferrari itself. It beat the Fontana track record by six seconds, not 0.6 seconds. But the scariest thing when I walked in, because I'm challenging myself all the time to think bigger, to be infinite, is I walked in and said, Whoa, I couldn't even imagine this existed today. That technology exceeded my imagination, even though I have a desire that I must be what I can be, even though I teach people that you can never overachieve your own self-image. I still, that's how powerful technology is, and that's how limiting we are. So have a desire that you must be what you can be, not what other people want for you, not what's missing, not what you don't have. Focus in on that every day in a trajectory where you think you wanna be giving meaning to your past aligned with that trajectory. Great question. All right, next question. Oh my goodness, what a bright room. Anyone? I, I bonus people for asking questions. I have a question. So, we talk a lot about Napoleon Hill. Yes. I'm so a niche fan. Um, we talk about desire, push, lose, and desire when I look I have Think and Grow Rich and a lot of success. And recently, I discovered like, information around Napoleon Hill not being the scam artist, right? Yeah. And I started to just dive deep. And I'm like, oh no, it was like shattering because like I it was a conviction and I like reading the laws. Have you ever seen that? And just what are your other thoughts about some of that information? What I think of Napoleon Hill is none of my business. <laughs> it's none of his business. Look, you know, I'm more uh, illuminating about my truth. Someday they may, in my dream, use this book like Napoleon Hill. People keep on reading it. And yet you can find out that I abused drugs. I was a cheater, liar, manipulator, overseller. I lost all my money. Listen, right, when I was seven years old, I stole money from my mom, had to go to the grocery store to find out she didn't have enough money for food because I stole money out of her wallet. Who the fuck wants to read Dave Meltzer? Who cares? Napoleon Hill's a human being. I'd like to talk to Jesus Christ's brother. See what he was like when he was a kid. Did he sit on your chest and spit at you? I, I I, don't care who writes this stuff if it has the meaning that I need to have in order to be a better person because they made so many mistakes. But I have one of my friends, Damon West, is that his name, Jake? Damon West, right? He was a drug addict. He was a quarterback at Texas A&M, became a drug addict, ran a whole, like, thief scam with you know, all the other drug addicts. They broke into people's houses, got a lifetime sentence for it. But man, does he teach kids today, right? He's out of jail. So yeah, it's really important to be forgiving. You, you can leave them on the fall away and, fu- and fire from your life, but you know, just because you may have made huge mistakes doesn't mean certain things you do aren't good things that you can learn from yes sir um where do you draw the line between making it your responsibility for others to be more connected because obviously it means a lot to you to yeah really raise people up with vibration and all that um but where do you draw the line as far as like when it's affecting you trying to enlighten someone in you know, bring them up. Yeah, there, there's a danger, danger in trying to empower others to empower others to be happy, to trying to help other people. As a boss, a lot of you probably experienced this, and you have really good intentions, but you want more for them than they want for themselves. It's one of the hardest parts about being a parent, right? You know, The most ignorant, arrogant people in the world aren't the haters on the internet, it's parents, because they're so afraid for their children and they want so much for their children that they give them bad advice. Because they don't know what they're talking about. I try my best not to be ignorant and arrogant because if I give advice to my kids as they get older, it's based off of fear. I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know whether or not that kid should go to college or not. I do know what college was like for me. I'm on college's campus today, probably have some benefits that I can offer you, but make your own goddamn decisions based off of your own timing and risk tolerance. And so for me, You know, I catch myself with a need to be offended because it takes, look, another thing, Dennis Waitley, you're young, wouldn't know who he is. Dennis Waitley had a great saying, I'm planting seeds under trees I may never sit under. One thing I do know, whether or not I've empowered you or not, that there's something I said or will say in that speech that has planted a seed that 20 years from now may be watered by someone else. And I don't need credit. One of my favorite stories about my daughter, went to Indiana University, came home her sophomore year, and she's like, Dad, my favorite professor, he sounded just like you. He goes, he has a great quote. I'm like, what is that? Be more interested than interesting. I was like, that's funny, because that's my quote. Like, literally, I, I know you don't listen to me, but I literally end everything with that. Really? But it planted a seed. It it plants seeds and so, uh, you know, I can't change you. I can't want things more than you. All I can do is offer values, daily practices and execution models that may or may not align with the trajectory of where you wanna be, give you the power to change the meaning of your past, aligned with the trajectory of where you wanna be. I'm trying to get people to aggregate the behaviors that are aligned with it, give exponentiality of outcomes and accelerate those outcomes for you But basically I'm trying to get people to do their best, learn lessons and have fun. Make a lot of money, help a lot of people and have a lot of fun. I simplify that, right? Even with my own kids, you know, with my mom, I tell her I'm happy, I'm healthy, I love you and appreciate you. With my kids, I tell them I love you, I'm proud of you and I always have your back. Because that's what I think being a parent is about. Unconditional love being proud of them, giving encouragement, right? And making sure that I get choked up. You got the back. It's important. It's funny because if someone asked me, you know, my dad left when I was five. I had a friendship with him later on in life, good friendship, but never told me he loved me, never told me he was proud of me, and I never felt like he had my back. It's funny, those are the three things that I want for my kids. I tell them every day. One minute a day is worth more than an hour on a Saturday in everything in my life. I got time for one more question? Uh, Yeah, one more Oh, okay. Yes, sir. Oh, wait, wait, let me take this one. I'll make it two, go ahead. Yeah, you mentioned the daily practice. Well, first of all. Well, first of all, you know everything about me, so I don't know why you're asking me a question. I'm learning. What's my birthday? Uh, January
1: 11th. Yeah. (laughs)
0: One one one. Uh, But you mentioned daily, well, sorry, thank you for doing this, really beneficial, Um, but you had mentioned daily practices, and I know um, in the periods leading up to bankruptcy, like after you and your wife had that, where she came to you and said, hey, things got to change and you started rebuilding yourself. That's a nice way to put Um, it. (laughs) what did, it, did your daily practices look like in that period? and yeah. As you've grown and evolved, what did so your daily practices The, the look daily practices, when I first started in my transformation or expansion, started with four values, nothing more. It was, okay, you're going to be grateful. So I started, my first daily practice was say thank you before I went to bed and thank you when I woke up. Why? Because she told me to take stock in who I was and my mom used to make me As poor as we were, list out what I was thankful for before I went to bed, programming my mind in gratitude, and then waking up at a higher self by being grateful. If I came downstairs, she'd make me go back upstairs if I wasn't grateful. That is not the attitude of gratitude. Get upstairs, say thank you until you're ready to eat breakfast with me. We're not having that in the house. So it started with gratitude. That was the first practice. Then it led to the forgiveness side. I didn't call it empathy, it was more sympathy, but I considered it forgiving. Like how could I forgive myself for all the shitty things I've done? And then the accountability was a big one. Like I I was fighting, blaming everybody, including my faith, why me? And it became try me. And then this idea of effectively communicating, I needed to effectively communicate with my wife first because I stopped. And then it became communicating with other people. Then I realized the shift in paradigm to communicate with God or whatever you believe in. And so those were the four things for years, for, for years, right? And then as I moved to having lenses of productivity of how much value I could start providing again, accessibility to others, accessing what I wanted, and being, of course, grateful. Then I started formulating my five daily practices, which we'll probably talk about in the speech, so I'm not gonna give that up here. Um, But it is an evolution. I'm still, all these things, like accountability has three phases now and never did. Um, So I'm still evolving. I call it expanding. I hate people wanting to hire me. Oh, can you help me transition, right? I'm a doctor, I wanna transit. There is no transition. You're just expanding, right? I don't believe any of my companies, right? Any of them have ended. The, the entities are gone, all the money's gone, but they've just expanded into what I do today with a different name. All of them. All the businesses I've had and do have. Last question, real quick. So, yeah, i I got here in from 16, I actually started not a question. So, I've a lot of so, you say fuck a lot? <laughs> Gary, Gary V. taught you English? Yeah, so the question is, I've met a lot of people, so how can, keep, how can you keep in touch, keep the connections that you've had, you have learned, and you know that are positive, that feed you, how can you keep them, even though you're expanding your life, yes. time as well? Yes, really important question. So I'm a student of time. I understand the physics of time, and I'll talk about it in there, the aggregation and exponentiality and acceleration of time and the bending of time because thought moves faster than man-made constructive time. And so if I can help people understand how they're utilizing their thought, they can maximize their time. And so one of the things is non-negotiable of relationships, understanding who's important to me. So I give a minimum of 10 minutes a day to reconnect with those people that are most important to me. Minimum of 10 minutes a day. I give minimum 30 to my wife, minimum 30 to my 13-year-old son, minimum of two minutes to each of my daughters. Minimum, I get a lot of shit for saying two minutes. I asked for five, they gave me two. Minimum of 10 minutes a day to prioritize a list of childhood friends, associates, people who have reached out. um, And then I study time for a minimum of 10 minutes a day. Every single day, seven days a week and it's the exponential of time, understanding focus and thought, paying attention to and giving intention to what you think, say, do, believe and feel in alignment with where I think I wanna be every single day. I have activity I get paid for seven days a week. I have activity I don't get paid for. People call it vacation every single day. Minimums amount of time. So make a list, prioritize the list, give it a minimum amount of time And be very efficient with your time. Anyone that knows me knows that I have and will give anyone a five-minute call. I do meetings for 20 minutes. I do interviews for 20 minutes. Very rarely do I have exceptions. Why? Because of Bob Proctor. He told me, David, after five minutes on the phone, you're visiting. After 20 minutes in a meeting, you're visiting. Make sure you value your visiting time, that you're prioritizing visiting with the people that are most relative to you. I used to take phone calls at my dinner table. My wife would say, why is it that you treat people that you don't know or barely know better than the people that you love? That moved me towards what you're talking about. All right, I'm happy to sign books. I'm gonna be speaking in there in a few. Thank you, everybody.